0: There's a comedian named Yakov Smirnov who immigrated here from Russia back when it was still a communist country. And he said when he got here he was just overwhelmed by how much stuff there was in American supermarkets. He said that he saw powdered milk, you know, you just add water and you get milk. And then he saw powdered orange juice, you just add water and you get orange juice. And then he said, I saw baby powder and I thought, what a country. It's just more than he had ever imagined before. And that's the thought I want to leave you with in this last sermon in this series we've been doing about how when we surrender our lives to Jesus, he gives us more than we ever could have imagined. And that's what's going on in the story that we just read about a boy who surrenders his lunch and Jesus feeds 5,000 people with it. That's just more than anyone would have expected. And it's the same with us. When we surrender, when we say, Jesus, here's my marriage. From now on, I'm going to do it your way, not mine. Or, Jesus, here's this habit I have of complaining. I'm going to give it to you, and I'm going to ask you to change that in me. Or, Jesus, here's my time. I surrender it to you. What are you doing today in my office or my neighborhood or my school? What are you doing today there, and can I help? When we surrender to Jesus in that way, we experience more joy, more peace, more love, more adventure, more, just plain more. More power, more. Just plain more. And the goal in life, of course, is to surrender all of our lives, but that can be a little overwhelming. So today, I'm just going to ask you to surrender one thing to Jesus. To commit to surrender one thing between now and Easter, and then watch and see what God does with that thing you surrender. And then by Easter, I'm banking that you're going to want to keep surrendering that thing forever. It doesn't have to be a huge thing. The boy in this story just surrenders his lunch. But that led to something pretty cool. It just needs to be something small. So you can kind of think about that as I go through the sermon. What are you going to surrender? But before we do that, I want to talk about what surrender looks like, practically speaking. If we surrender something to Jesus, what are we going to be doing between now and Easter on a daily basis? Some of you have said to me, these sermons on surrender are confusing, which has been very affirming for me. (laughs) But if it helps you, they're confusing to me too. This has been the hardest sermon series I've ever had to preach in my life. And I've been frustrated at times because my words aren't adequate to communicate what's in my heart. And I think part of the reason for that is there's no easy formula for this. We surrender to a person, not a formula. And and, and, and there's, there's no one size fits all. There's no plug and play to this thing. It's different for each one of us. But there are some steps, I think, that we can take daily... That, 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 that lead us into a deeper surrender. And I've mentioned these before, and I just want to recap them here. Think of this as kind of a review before the final exam. The first step to surrender is to decide to surrender in spite of our fear. You know, in this story, it says that the bread is barley bread. And what you need to know is back then, only the poorest of the poor ate barley bread. And it wasn't some giant Costco-sized bread we're talking about here either. I mean, it, would probably, it was probably more like a soda cracker, something very small. So for this boy, there's going to be some fear in surrendering this to Jesus. He's poor. This is all he has to eat. What's going to happen? And I think there's fear in us for if we surrender to Jesus. If I surrender my marriage, what's going to happen? If I surrender my money and give 10% or more to God's work, what's going to happen? Or if I say, Jesus, here's my need to win approval. I'm surrendering it to you. I'll do whatever you say from now on, regardless of what people think. Well, what's going to happen? There's some fear. But I would urge you to steer into that fear, not away from that fear, which is very counterculture. I would urge you to steer into that fear because fear can be a great place where God reveals what we need to surrender next. Where are you afraid to follow God? That might be what you need to surrender. And when we surrender, what we discover is we have nothing to fear. Because we do not surrender ourselves to someone who doesn't care about us. We surrender ourselves into the hands of a loving father who wants nothing but the best for us and we can trust him to surrender. The first step is to decide in spite of the fear. Second step is to remember that surrender is a process. You know, the problem with the word surrender is it makes it sound like it's kind of this one time event. You know, November 16th, fully surrendered to Jesus. Check that box. Okay, Nick's pick up the dry cleaning. No, it doesn't work that way. Surrender is an ongoing process. It happens in stages. I know a man who prayed almost every day, Lord, I surrender my marriage to you. Show me what to do, practically. Well, at first, the Holy Spirit nudged him simply to compliment his wife. Every day. A few months later, the Holy Spirit nudged him to open up his heart a little bit more and tell her what was really going on inside of him. About a year after he started this, he began to realize, Holy Spirit kind of showed him that he took a lot of trips with his buddies to go have fun, fishing, camping, that sort of thing. He called them mancations. And the Holy Spirit started to nudge him to do less of that and do a couple of weekend getaways with his wife instead. Well, he didn't want to do that, so he resisted that for months, but finally started to do that. Then he began to encourage his wife to use her gifts and skills and some volunteer work that gave her joy. The result is they've been married 20 years and they're in the best season of their marriage ever. It's full of life and romance and passion. But that was the result of several, a several-year process where every day he said, Lord, show me how I can surrender my marriage. What does that mean practically? Surrender isn't always linear. It can sometimes be zigzag. Sometimes we have to do it over and over again. It's a process. There is no map, but there is a guide. And his name is Jesus. Which brings me to the third step of surrender. And that is we need to be guided by the Holy Spirit every day. And several weeks ago I talked about how we can hear the Holy Spirit speaking to us. And to surrender means responding to those nudges that the Spirit gives us day by day by day. Just like the man I told you about who surrendered his marriage every day. There's a man I know of who lives in Madison, Wisconsin. He was raised in an upscale neighborhood, went to Harvard, became a very wealthy businessman. But then he started praying, Lord, I want to do more with my life. What do you want me to do for you? It was a surrender prayer. Well, one day he was sitting in in the church, and during the announcement time, God can speak during the announcements. It's true. He heard this announcement about serving dinner at a homeless shelter, and he felt the nudge from the Holy Spirit to go do that, so he did. Loved it. Had the time of his life. Got in these great conversations. Had a lot of laughing. He, He felt incredibly close to God doing it. So he just kept coming more and more and more. Well, that eventually led him to take over the management of one of these homeless shelters. Switched his career, and that's what he's doing now. And he's loving it. Well, not too long ago, a reporter interviewed him, and she asked, Now, how is it that a man like you, with your background, your education, you know, you were a wealthy businessman, how is it that a man like you ends up running a homeless shelter in Madison? And he looked at her, and he said, Just lucky, I guess. (laughs) Now, does he sound miserable to you? No, it sounds like he's having the time of his life, right? sounds like he's surrendered himself and he's discovering God's joy in the middle of that. But it was a process and it happened because he listened to the Holy Spirit and responded to those nudges daily. I can't tell you what Jesus wants you to surrender or specifically how to do that. I can't tell you that. What I can tell you is if we go to the Holy Spirit and ask him over and over again, show me how to surrender this, he will guide you and he'll get you there. He's a reliable guide. I read this true story a while ago. True story. A newspaper photographer who was asked by his editor to hurry down to the airport where there was a small plane on the runway that would fly him over a forest fire so he could get pictures of the fire before the deadline. So the photographer got to the airport and sure enough there was a plane waiting on the runway so he got in and the plane took off and was flying. And then he told the guy who was flying the plane get me over the fire so that I can take these pictures. And the guy flying the plane, his face kind of fell. and He said, wait a minute. You mean you're not the flight instructor? <laughs> would be kind of an awkward moment, don't you think? True story. No one died. It was good. Here's the deal. The Holy Spirit is not like that. The Holy Spirit knows what he's doing. The Holy Spirit knows how to get you there. Follow him daily. Fourth step of surrender means we commit to do things God's way, not ours. To surrender my money, my marriage, my fears, my worries, my plans, whatever they are, means I'll do everything that God says to do in in, in regards to that area of my life. And how do I know what God says to do? Well, the first thing is you read the Bible, especially the passages that deal with the thing you're surrendering. And if you need help finding those passages, ask someone who can guide you there. The second is to keep coming to worship. Because I guarantee you, once you say to God, I surrender this, you will begin to hear in the sermon or the lyrics to the hymns or or something someone says to you in the narthex, you'll begin to hear messages from God to you about how to surrender that thing. I believe God speaks through worship. Decide in spite of the fear. Remember it's a process. Be guided by the Holy Spirit daily. Commit to doing things God's way. And then finally, when you surrender, expect to see the ordinary... Become the extraordinary. Expect to see the power of God. Why is it, do you think, that Jesus used this kid's lunch to feed these, all these people instead of just conjuring the food out of thin air? Well, the way Gary Halgen puts it, he it says it's because Jesus wanted to give this little boy a really cool day. I mean, this boy got to go home and say, hey, mom, guess what Jesus did with my lunch? I was, God, when we surrender, whatever it is, our ordinary marriages or or plans or fears or careers to Jesus, they become extraordinary. Think of some of the stories I've told you in this sermon series. A man who surrenders his reputation, the most important thing he has to go to him, to go stand outside Husky Stadium with a sign to tell people that Jesus loves them. And in the process, physically feels the Holy Spirit moving through him. And that leads him to all kinds of adventures all around the world, building houses, digging wells, all of this in his late 70s. Or think of the woman who told her testimony about dealing with infertility and finally surrendering that to God and saying, Okay, Jesus, you give me the family you want me to have, not the family I think I should have. And in the process, she feels what she described as liquid joy going all through her, regardless of the infertility. And eventually she goes on, to have two great kids. Or think of the man who surrendered his high paying career to go manage an RV dealership, but in the process has more time with his kids and gets a better marriage because of it and, 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 and gets closer to God and is way happier. He even likes his commute and if that's not the power of God I don't know what is. When they surrendered to Jesus he turned the ordinary into the extraordinary. Now, I want to be clear. When when I'm talking about surrender, surrender is not something we do to bribe God to give us power to get what we want on our terms. right? We can't, for instance, today say, Okay, Jesus, I'm giving you my career now. Make me vice president with a corner office. That wouldn't really be surrender, would it? Surrender is about emptying ourselves so that God can then fill us up. If you remember about a month ago, I had that glass of muddy water I showed you. And that's our lives, so filled up with our plans, our agenda, our ideas, our stuff, that God can't fill us with his good stuff. But if we surrender and pour all of that out of our lives, then God fills us back up again with his love, his joy, his power, his peace, his adventure. And the biggest thing he gives us is closeness with him. He fills us with intimacy with the creator of the universe. One of the most famous pictures from the Vietnam War is of this little girl fleeing in agonizing pain because of a napalm attack. And her name is Kim. And she now lives in Toronto with her husband and two children and has a pretty cool story which she told on NPR radio not too long ago. And these are her words. She said, on June 8, 1972, I saw an airplane getting lower and four bombs falling. Then I saw fire all over my body. My clothes had been burned off by the fire. I was nine years old, but I still remember my thoughts in the moment. I will be ugly, and people would treat me different because of it. After a soldier gave me a drink and then poured some water on my wounds, I lost consciousness. I spent 14 months in the hospital and had 17 operations. Our house was destroyed, we lost everything, and we just survived day by day. But the long hospital stay made me want to become a doctor. But then my studies were cut short because of the local communist communist government. They wanted me as a symbol of the state, so they told me I couldn't go to school anymore. The anger inside of me was like a hatred as high as a mountain. I hated my life. I hated all the people who were normal because I wasn't normal. I hated everything, and I wanted to die most days. I spent my daytime in the library to read a lot of religious books to find purpose for my life. One of the books I read was the Holy Bible. And then on Christmas 1982, I accepted Jesus Christ as my personal Savior. And it was an amazing turning point in my life. Jesus helped me learn how to forgive, the most difficult of all lessons. It didn't happen in a day, or a week, or a month, and it wasn't easy. But finally, Jesus showed me how to let go of the anger, and the pain, and the hurt. Forgiveness made me free of hatred. I still have many scars and severe pain most days, but my heart is cleansed. Napalm is very powerful, but faith Forgiveness and love are much stronger. Now, this is a picture of Kim today. And I just love that smile on her face. She is a woman who has experienced tremendous suffering, but surrendered all of that anger and bitterness and unforgiveness to Jesus. Now, she had to decide to do that in spite of the fear. It was a process, it didn't happen overnight. She was guided by the Holy Spirit, did what God says to do in the the Bible, which is to forgive, and then God did the extraordinary. Not only is she set free from anger and bitterness, free from all of that rage, not only that and not only has he given her a new smile, but now Kim has a ministry all around the world where she helps other children who have been victims of trauma. And that gives her joy and meaning and significance and purpose. God gave her a whole new life when she surrendered. And then, of course, there's the biggest miracle of all. NPR actually ran that story with Jesus in it and everything. You know, because the media is always talking about Jesus these days. <laughs> so, what is it for you? You've been hanging on to that twig now for about 25 minutes. What is it for you? What do you need to surrender? Your time, your money, a worry, your fears, your marriage, your singleness, your need to win approval, some persistent sin, an attitude? What is it that you need to surrender? And it doesn't have to be a big thing. It could be, but it doesn't have to be. You don't have to surrender a log. A twig will do. Most surrender starts small and then it grows, just like in the story one lunch, 5,000 people fed. Whatever it is, will you surrender it to Jesus? And then from now until Easter, regularly pray Holy Spirit, show me what to do in this area of my life. I want to do it your way. And if you don't know what to surrender, surrender that. You know, Lord, I'm just going to ask you, what do you want me to surrender? And for some of you, the step maybe you want to take today is for the first time in your life, asking Jesus to be your leader and your forgiver. And if you do that today, would you please let one of the pastors know so that we can help you take your next step in faith. And because we're physical beings, sometimes doing something physical makes it seem more real and that's why we're going to turn these twigs back in to make our surrender seem a little more real to us. We'll take them, we'll use them as compost for a new tree that we're going to plant out there tomorrow. And as a symbol of when we surrender to Jesus, he gives us new life and new power. And every time you see that tree, and as you watch it bloom in the spring, you'll know that underneath it are all the things your fellow FPC beers have surrendered to Jesus. And be reminded of all the ways that when we surrender to him, he gives us new life. Some of you may have heard me tell this before, but my wife and I have a friend in California who's very gifted at hearing from God, has a pretty good track record of being right. And a while back, she emailed me about how she was praying about a lot of things, and suddenly I popped into her mind. So she said, God, do you have a message for Scott? And as she prayed, she got this picture in her mind of Christina pregnant. And she said, you know, I don't know if it's a literal pregnancy or a metaphorical pregnancy. And, and I thought, dear God, let it be metaphorical. Please. And then she, then she heard God say in her thoughts, tell Scott there's more. And I'm like, more what? More kids? More what? And she said, no, no, it's got something to do with your church. Well, I've been praying about that ever since that email about a year and a half ago. And I'm, I'm not completely sure what it means still. But I think in part, it's part of what I'm supposed to tell you. There's more to this life that we've been living There's more to this life than getting a good job making widgets of some kind and then maybe get promoted and so you can manage people that make widgets and sit in meetings about how to get people to buy two widgets instead of one widget and how to make a better widget. And you do that for 40 years and you retire, they give you a party and give you a gold widget. (laughs) Not that there's anything wrong with our jobs. Our jobs are good things. But when we surrender them to Jesus, they become extraordinary things. They become not just jobs, but the arena into which God calls us to be part of what he's doing in the world. And that's true with anything that we surrender. There's more to life than working and consuming and then going to church and starting it all over again on Monday. And when we surrender to Jesus, we experience that more. When Moses surrendered his shepherd's staff to God, God used it to divide the Red Sea in two and deliver his people from slavery. David surrenders his sling and stone and God uses it to kill a giant. Mary surrenders her whole life to God and she gets to hold God himself as a baby in her arms on Christmas. Some unnamed guy surrenders his donkey so Jesus can ride into Jerusalem on Palm Sunday. As the crowds are waving and cheering, that guy got to stand there and say, see that? That's my donkey. Looks pretty good with the Son of God on it, doesn't you think? The man who offered Jesus some jars of water and he turned them into wine. Peter, using his fishing skills to bring people to Jesus and changes the course of human history. When we surrender to Jesus, he does this holy exchange. He takes our ordinary lives, marriages, time, fear, attitudes, sins, needs for approval and status and recognition. Takes all of that and brings out life and joy and adventure and meaning and purpose and significance and power, power, wonder, work and power. As he says through the prophet Isaiah, instead of bronze, I will bring you gold and silver instead of iron. And instead of wood, I'll bring you bronze and iron in the place of rock. Instead of death, life, hope, instead of fear, a heart of flesh rather than a heart of stone. He gives us beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, a garment of praise for a spirit of despair so that we could be called trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. All to Jesus I surrender. All to him I freely give. Bring it on. Surrender it to him. And he will give you more than you could ever ask or even imagine.